0: Almost a year ago, a groundbreaking new technology captured the world's imagination.
2: ChatGPT, maybe you've heard of it. If you haven't, then get ready. Because this promises to be the viral sensation that could completely reset how we do things.
0: ChatGPT finally showed us how artificial intelligence could change our lives. It wrote poetry, solved maths problems, composed music and churned out essays in moments. Within five days of launching, it had a million users. It now has more than a hundred million.
1: You can nail your next job interview using ChatGPT. Have you tried using ChatGPT for meal planning? It's seriously so helpful.
0: The company behind it, OpenAI, is now driving the artificial intelligence revolution. And the man leading it, Sam Altman, has been labelled the Oppenheimer of AI.
2: Let me ask you what your biggest nightmare is and whether you share that concern. Like with all technological revolutions, I expect there to be significant impact on jobs. But exactly what that impact looks like is very difficult to predict.
0: It was a dizzying trajectory. Sam Altman had become the man world leaders wanted to hear from, and his company was busy building our future. It was all going so well, until last Friday.
2: Holy sh*t, Sam Altman just got fired as OpenAI CEO.
0: And the drama didn't end there. OpenAI, the creator of ChatGPT, has now got through three CEOs in almost as many days, Sam Altman, Mira Marati, and Emmett Shear. Most of its staff are now calling on the board of the artificial intelligence company to resign after the shock dismissal of former boss, Sam Altman. Nearly all of OpenAI's workers are threatening to quit if the board doesn't resign and reinstate the former leadership. In less than a week, the leadership of the company that was supposed to be building the future of humanity completely imploded. Now, Sam Altman is back, and the board that sacked him has gone.
2: You know, it was five days of total chaos at a $90 billion company, and what you end up with is the same people back in power.
0: So beyond the drama and intrigue, what does this five-day fiasco tell us about the very human problems at the heart of the AI revolution. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the week that shook Silicon Valley.
2: I'm Danny Fortson, the West Coast correspondent for The Sunday Times based out here Berkeley, which is right across the bay from San Francisco.
0: And Danny, the Silicon Valley beat is very much a big part of your reporting. Take us back to last Thursday. The man of the moment, Sam Altman, the CEO of the company behind ChatGPT, was addressing a conference, I understand. Just tell us what was happening.
2: So, if you go back to Thursday, you know, kind of life seemed normal for everybody who was observing OpenAI and its CEO, Sam Altman. That week, he had been at a big APEC conference where President Xi, the president of China, he came into. San Francisco, it was a very big event. He spoke at an event there. And then later in the evening, he came across the bay to talk to a small, intimate group of people in a warehouse, kind of this art space. And he was on stage with a digital artist called Android Jones. And they were talking about this AI boom, what it meant for art, for creators, etc. cetera. How's your year been, Sam? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm very grateful to have lived through it, but I hope every future year is not like this. It's certainly been a tiring one. I think this was sort of the year where... And, you know, this is what he has been doing. He has been this kind of face of this AI revolution that we're all starting to feel and certainly read about and has inspired just this kind of dot-com boom type frenzy out here in silicon valley and he is the man in the middle of it all and so last week thursday he was the man about town as he has been for the past many months
0: wow and i imagine everybody is hanging on his every word this is sort of the great oracle of what our worlds is going to be like quite soon and then on friday a day later everything changes what happened? Just talk us through it. Talk us through where you were when you heard about it too and how the news went down.
2: Yeah, So I was actually getting ready to, uh, my wife and I were going to get away for our anniversary. You know, we had arranged care for the kids and we're <laughs> going to have a nice relaxing weekend away. That's always on a big stories break. <laughs> yes, indeed. Never indeed. make plans. Indeed. And so I saw an, you know, ping on my phone and I look, Sam Altman is fired. And it was really stunning because, again, outside looking in, he's just this rock star CEO at the head of what you know a lot of people are calling the most important company in the world, OpenAI, developer of ChatGPT. And all of a sudden, he's out and nobody understands why. There was zero warning about this and it just set Twitter on fire and everybody was wondering what happened just describe the level of shock. I mean, someone, um, it was a really good, um, way to put it, it was as if someone had just fired Steve jobs out of the blue, but after he invented the iPhone, oh you, know, where you kind of step back, and you're like, Oh, you've created this technology that might change the world and is going to be the center of what could become one of the most important companies in the world. And you're gone. And nobody knows why. It was kind of that level of a kind of a a lightning strike when it first happened.
0: I mean it does seem just completely unimaginable. Before we go into the reasons why he was sacked and what's happened since, I suppose we really ought to talk a little bit about the man in the middle of it all. Tell us about Sam Altman. I mean, what is he like as a character?
2: Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. Um he's in some ways kind of your typical tech guy, in other ways um he's quite different. So he's from he's from St. Louis, he's the oldest of four kids and he came out here as many uh techies do to study at Stanford back in 2003. And he was very quickly drawn into the tech world if you kind of go back to that time the tech industry was just dusting itself off after the dot-com bust and some interesting companies were starting to form like facebook like linkedin etc and so he started his own company it was called looped kind of a friend finding app i mean these were very early days but he got funded by this company called y combinator which has since become this very famous kind of startup boot camp they invest in a bunch of companies including, since then, Airbnb, Dropbox, some very big companies. And he was kind of spotted by the founder of Y Combinator, this guy called Paul Graham, who's very revered out here, as kind of a different type of guy. You know, Looped, the company he started, didn't end up doing that great. But Graham saw something in him in that, you know, for a few reasons. One, he worked very, very hard. You know, so he got some funding from Y Combinator, worked so hard that he gave himself scurvy. Oh my
0: God, (laughs) is that even possible (laughs) in the modern
2: world? Apparently it is. Um, So he gave himself scurvy and he was also very, very driven, very smart, and just singularly focused on his goal in a way that kind of set him apart from other executives. And in a profile many years later, Paul Graham said, you know, what he is very good at is amassing power. And he is also obsessed with the future and not just with, oh, what's going to happen in the future, but actually shaping it, Mm. kind of inventing the future. And so he's this kind of singularly focused, very ambitious guy. And he ends up being chosen by Paul Graham as his successor at Y Combinator, where he goes on to fund hundreds and hundreds of companies all over Silicon Valley. And in the process, becoming perhaps the most well-connected, investor and tech person uh in the valley
0: because of course everybody has come to him probably in the past for investment
2: exactly
0: amazing i mean he's a little bit of a tech stereotype setting up admittedly a failed app but trying to set up an app to find a friend i mean is he a sociable man
2: (laughs) so he's he's soft-spoken he's kind of a different type of guy in that you know he through his time at Y Combinator, he became very, very wealthy because, again, he invested in a lot of companies that did very well or Y Combinator did under, under his reign. Um, so he's really into supercars. He bought a bunch of supercars. He bought a patch of land on the California coast for a literal doomsday bunker. <sighs> so he has gold. He has antibiotics. He has gas masks. He has a whole store of kind of what you would need if the world ends. And, you know, when he was asked years ago, what could possibly send you to your doomsday bunker? One of his suggestions was a pandemic. Another was the arrival of super intelligent, artificial general intelligence, AGI, which is, of course, the goal of what he's doing at OpenAI many years later. He's a very um, unique character. He certainly has a lot of business friends. I don't know about personally. So he certainly has a lot of people in his corner out here.
0: And that's been very visible in the last few days. You know, it does feel like everybody's coming out in complete shock and outrage at what's happened. Talk us through that. How on earth does the man who founded the company get sacked?
2: So this gets to the very strange nature of OpenAI itself. So if we go back to when it was founded in 2015 the chief funder and driver of that project was Elon Musk. And Elon Musk, you know, he is building artificial intelligence at his other companies, principally Tesla. And he became convinced that the direction of this technology meant that, you know, we were on a path to artificial general intelligence, which is this idea of super intelligent machines that can do anything cognitive or otherwise as good or better than humans. And another way to think about it is, you know, a lot of people talk about this as humanity's last invention. Because once you build machines that can do anything we can do but better, we don't need to do anything anymore because they will all figure out all our problems, do all of our work, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a very radical vision of the future. And so that was the founding principle of OpenAI was we're heading toward AGI. This needs to be built in a way that benefits humanity. And the best way to do that is through a nonprofit where it has that pro-humanity stance at its core. That is its driving mission. Hmm. And that was the idea. So Musk funded it along with some others, including Altman. So Altman was a founder. Musk was a founder. Another guy, Greg Brockman, and another um, one of the people building these neural networks, which is the technology that makes... ChatGPT, go, called Ilya Sutskever. These are the people who founded OpenAI in 2015 as this nonprofit, as in let's save humanity from ourselves as we kind of build these super intelligent machines. Somewhere along the way, a conflict happened. Elon Musk was continuing to build AI at his other companies. He was starting to compete with the nonprofit he founded for talent. And he also didn't like the way some of things were happening, so he left. And in 2018, he left, and within a month, Altman quit Y Combinator and became CEO of OpenAI. And you have this super-driven person who is very much about defining the future running this nonprofit. And the first thing he did was change it from a nonprofit to a for-profit company that was still under the umbrella of the nonprofit but he created a new entity that could go out, could raise money, could make money and could kind of be a commercially driven enterprise because his argument was to build this stuff we need lots and lots and lots of money and nonprofit status is not going to work. And that's what he did. So he turned this nonprofit into a for-profit and it's a huge shift and it's really, that is when the seeds were sown of this strange last few days where all of a sudden Altman has been knocked out because the structure was, okay, you have this for-profit company, but it is still governed by a board at the nonprofit level whose focus remains the same. Pro-humanity, let's do this in a way that we can ensure we're not going to be all enslaved or killed by our robot overlords. Mm. And so as Altman started pushing out products like ChatGPT that kind of blew the doors off the world a year ago, and everybody's getting very excited, he's starting to push more and more, turn this into a company that went from zero, its value started at zero. As of um, the last valuation by private investors, it was nearly $90 billion. It's bringing in more than a billion dollars in subscriptions to its ChatGPT chatbot, Microsoft invested $10 billion this year. They're basically, they have become the biggest single investor. They own the most of OpenAI. So they are partners. It's becoming this thing that is just very different from this little research lab founded to save humanity. And within OpenAI, it also was a moment that really kind of put a fine point on the conflict again between the people who are saying AI needs to be developed in a way that is safe. And then you have Altman on the other side, pushing pedal to the metal saying we are putting all these products out in the world and it's going to be great. And so that reached a head last week when one of the founders, Ilya Sutskaver and a few others on the board said, Hey, you know, you're not being totally truthful with us about the stuff you're doing about Maybe the power of the technology. Actually, no one knows what the actual conflict was beyond this conflict between the for-profit company and the nonprofit arm of the company. But importantly, the board has the power. And so they fired him. It was effectively a coup. And very swiftly, without very much explanation, they said, he's not being totally candid with us. He's out. And what we are doing is consistent with our original mission, i.e. pro-humanity AI. And that's quite literally all we know. We don't really know what the kind of precipitating event was beyond this kind of simmering conflict that just got bigger and bigger over time.
0: So we don't really know what he wasn't being entirely candid about. Do we know... How they sacked him? Because, you know, as you say on Thursday, he thought he was still at the heart of the company. Friday, how is he even told?
2: He was apparently texted on Thursday evening by Ilya Sutskaver and said, Hey, can you meet at noon on Friday? And he logs on to the Google Meet link. And there is the entire board, minus one person, Greg Brockman, who is the president of the company and the chairman of the board. He wasn't there. But the rest of the board was there and they swiftly informed him, you're fired. Wow. And he was apparently completely stunned. So he is informed the call ends. And then minutes later, Greg Brockman, who is very close to Altman, he was brought into a similar call where they said, you are no longer chairman of the board. We are kicking you off the board, but please stay on as the company president. And then minutes later, you have a public announcement, Sam Altman is fired, Greg Brockman is no longer chairman, but still at the company, and we move forward, etc. And then within hours, Brockman put out his own statement saying, I'm not president, I quit. Based on these events, I quit, I'm sticking with Sam Altman. And then just the drama unfolded from there.
0: In which case, it sort of begs the question, who is on this board? Because you've got two of the founders there, one being fired, the other walking out as a result of it. Who is on the board and how are they so powerful?
2: Well, so again, this goes back to the kind of the founding ethos of this whole thing of saying, "Okay, we're going to have this for-profit entity, but this board is very powerful and this board has the ultimate say. And Altman had spoken publicly about this before, saying, hey, they have the power to fire me if they deem that it is necessary. So you have this small board, you have Altman, Brockman, Sutskiver, and then you have a few independents. There's a guy called Adam D'Angelo. He's the founder of Quora, which you may know as the kind of that question and answer site that shows up in some Google results. Tasha McCauley, she's a tech entrepreneur with her own career, but not like a, I wouldn't say a towering figure in the industry. And then Helen Toner, She's an academic at Georgetown and importantly she's very involved in tech policy and in the what they call the effective altruist movement out here which is you may have heard that term before the most famous effective altruist was Sam Bankman-Fried the now convicted fraudster who ran FTX. And effectual altruists are all about maximizing human benefit through making lots of money. <laughs> That's the way to kind of best sum it up. But she was very much in that world. So it's Helen Toner, Tasha McCauley, Adam D'Angelo, and then Ilya Sutskever. Those are the four that got together and decided Altman has gone too far. He needs to go.
0: Coming up, if Silicon Valley was shocked by this sudden coup, then it was no less stunned by what followed. That's all coming up in just a moment.
1: Hold up.
0: Last Friday, Sam Altman was ousted as the CEO of ChatGPT, and his co-founder, Greg Brockman, quit in solidarity. The chain of events shocked OpenAI's investors and its employees, and to be honest, much of the rest of the world. And then, on Monday, another bombshell lands. Microsoft, a key player with a 49% stake in OpenAI, Makes an announcement.
2: Since Altman has left, you've had this conflict in the board that led to his dismissal. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, who has a lot of faith in Altman, he comes out of nowhere and says, Okay, I'll hire you, Sam Altman. I'll hire you, Greg Brockman. I'll hire anybody from OpenAI who wants to come over and basically lead a new AI unit with me. And within days, you had more than 750 of the 770 people at OpenAI signed a letter to the board saying either the entire board must resign and reinstate Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, or we're all going to Microsoft. In the meantime, OpenAI brings in its own new CEO, a guy who used to run Twitch, this video gaming uh, service that is owned by Amazon. And then within a day of him being announced as CEO, he said, I've seen no evidence of any malfeasance or some kind of something done wrong by Altman. And if I am not given that, then I'm not going to become CEO. I mean, every aspect of the story is kind of unbelievable. So Ilya Sutskova, uh, who was one of the driving forces of removing Sam Altman, he has signed that letter. He's signatory number 12. So he's signed the letter that calls for his own sacking. And he has since gone out on Twitter and said, I deeply regret what I did. So he has signed the letter calling for the removal of the board of which he is a member and calling for Sam and Greg and the rest to come back. As we speak on Tuesday morning uh, out here on the West Coast, there is a company, but there is a. A giant guillotine hanging over the company, because according to this letter, if Sam Altman is not reinstated, 750 of the 770 employees will soon be working for Microsoft.
0: Well, that's where things stood on Tuesday, but this is a story where the twists keep on coming, and within 24 hours, everything had changed again. Yet another twist in the Sam Altman saga at OpenAI, just days after its board fired him, he is back at the top of OpenAI.
2: The hot tech startup behind ChatGPT not only brought Altman back, it's also
1: overhauling the board that fired him with new directors. Former Salesforce CEO, Brett Taylor, and former Treasury Secretary, Larry Summers, will join AI's Open's board. And then Cora's CEO, Adam D'Angelo, will remain on the board.
2: So Sam Altman is back. He's back in the building. So is the the president, Greg Brockman, who had quit in protest when this all first started. And everybody seems happy. But there's some really big questions that this whole new resolution uh, leave unanswered. And one of them is, what is this new structure? So what they've done is the board has fired themselves. And they're bringing in two new people, a guy named Brett Taylor, who was formerly the chairman of Twitter, the man who sold Twitter to Elon Musk. And the other person is Larry Summers, the former treasury secretary, very well-known economist from Harvard, not really sure what he knows about AI, but these two people and potentially more later will be this new board of this nonprofit. So that appears that nonprofit board overseeing the for-profit company remains. Obviously, they're much more commercially focused, perhaps, than the previous people, but it's unclear what the contours of that relationship will be, how it will work, why it will be better than the previous setup. And the other very interesting thing is that Sam Altman has agreed for this new board to open an official investigation into just what happened. What did he do that led the former board to be so upset that they fired him summarily from one day to the next? Because we still don't have that answer. No one has said five days into this drama, what did he do? There is no clarity beyond just this broad conflict between his very aggressive pursuit of this for-profit company and putting products into the world, perhaps before they were ready, while they're still making mistakes and these other things, versus the more the safetyist element of the company. But that will be interesting if that does indeed produce a smoking gun or something. And the other thing that's worth keeping in mind here, you know, two people on the board, Helen Toner and Tasha McCauley, are both uh, women, obviously, and the new board has no women. Now, we have seen this movie before. We have trusted a small group of tech bros to develop a technology and say, trust us, we've got this world. Don't worry. We've seen that movie before and we've seen how that's gone. So I just think it's worth noting that yet again, in Silicon Valley, when um, you know, the rubber meets the road, yeah. the women are jettisoned from the very top of the organization and you have, end up with um, a bunch of dudes.
0: And what happens now? I mean, does everything at OpenAI carry on as it was just before all of this whole saga unfolded? I mean, does Sam Altman go back to work? Everything carries on as it was? Or, or do you think the company has changed? Has it lost some credibility over this?
2: Well, I think it has. You know, someone referred to this as a, which I thought was quite funny, a demented goat rodeo of <laughs> <laughs> just the CEO. You know.
0: That's certainly how it feels now.
2: <laughs> you know, it was five days of total chaos at a ninety billion dollar company, and what you end up with is the same people back in power, but yeah. you've you know jettisoned a few people and put in place some new people who theoretically might be more aligned with the CEO's values. So it feels when you step back a little bit, much ado about nothing. In the meantime, you have had people all over the tech industry trying to poach people from open AI. And I guess the other thing that's really interesting, you know, way back on Monday, <laughs> they hired a new CEO, Emmett Shear, who was in the middle of all these negotiations to bring Sam back. He lasted, I think it was 55 hours as CEO. He's come and gone and Altman is back. I don't know if they lost anybody. I know that other companies certainly tried. But again, when you talk about a company that is trying to build effectively the next infrastructure layer of technology and you have this much upheaval, it will make people question, do I want to stick with this company? Do I want to keep working with their stuff? Yeah. I imagine people will move on quickly, you know, and forget. um, And they already have this huge installed base 100 million people are using their chat gpt per week so that's not going to go overnight and they still have a lead in terms of technology so i still think they're probably safe but it definitely makes people think twice
0: and danny it feels almost mad to ask at this stage and perhaps i should really be asking if you've booked a holiday anytime soon but do you think (laughs) is this story over is there more to come will we be talking again tomorrow
2: uh Goodness, I hope not. Um, (laughs) No offense, of course. Um, (laughs) None taken. I don't think this is the end of the story. Because I think that the thing that we don't know, and which we mentioned earlier, is just how did this go so poorly so quickly? What did the board see Mm. that made them take such rash and drastic action? To just really understand what went on here, because it's such a bizarre story that again, in five days, we've gone full circle and back to where we started effectively. So I think that is one aspect. The other one is just AI continues to develop and develop really, really quickly. And does this, will this, you know, have any long-term impact on open AI standing or how it approaches putting products out into the market, how it approaches safety, the kind of the crux of this issue, will that change? Or will this be kind of removing the guardrails, and now Altman will be free to just really go full steam ahead without worrying about what this nonprofit board thinks. I think these are all the big questions that we're going to see play out over the next few months. And I think the other interesting thing to just keep in mind here is is Microsoft is here in the background. They own half of the company. If, again, we go back to the, um, the early days of this crisis, Satya Nadella, the Microsoft CEO, hired Sam And that lasted for about 24 hours before they started negotiating, bringing him back. But he said, even Satya Nadella, who runs one of the biggest companies in the world, said, we're supportive of this. This new board structure is going to be more effective. It's going to be better. It's going to be a bit more grown up effectively. But again, they have a huge stake in this. And this is the key of their kind of next phase of growth for Microsoft. So... I think they're going to play a very significant role. And again, we're just going to have to see exactly how that may have changed in all of this. But they're a very, very important player in all of this as well.
0: And do you think there's a chance we'll look back on this and regret what's happened in the last five days?
2: I don't. And I say that because I sadly have been covering tech for longer than I'd like to remember. But I've seen this movie before insofar as that I've heard, I don't know how many times, this time is different. This technology is going to change everything. Ooh, watch out. This is the end of work, all of this stuff. We've heard these things before. I will say AI feels more real than a lot of the other stuff. But one thing I know is that technology takes much longer to arrive than the kind of the heavy breathing Silicon Valley techies would like us to believe um, when they're raising all of this money. So I think it's going to be a bit more gradual or a lot more gradual than perhaps it feels right now. I think there's certain areas, certain industries where AI is really going to change things. But I think broadly speaking, inertia is a powerful thing and it takes a lot to overcome it. And so Will this be the moment when we realize, oh my goodness, we had a moment to stop this doomsday machine and we didn't? I just don't buy that. And that's not based on any deep technical understanding. It's just based on 20 plus years of built up kind of healthy skepticism around <laughs> the promises of technology and what actually it delivers, at least in, 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 on the time frames that are, are often predicted.
0: Well, Danny, let's just hope you're right.
2: <laughs> Indeed.
0: been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the West Coast correspondent for The Sunday Times, Danny Fortson. If you want to know the latest on OpenAI, and God knows it's bound to have changed again, do follow all of Danny's reporting on the subject at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription, or look out for him in this week's edition of The Sunday Times. Having already ruined his anniversary break, Danny is currently sacrificing quite a lot of thanksgiving to bring you the latest. The producer today was Priyanka Delardia. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Hannah Varrell. And if you're interested in the future of AI, do go back and have a listen to our episode aptly titled Artificial Intelligence, Bright New Future, or the End of Humanity. Thanks so much for listening. And if you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a lovely weekend. And if you're anything to do with OpenAI, I hope it's a lot calmer than the last one was.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,